years ago, I had pretty much found what I thought was the perfect job. I had worked for years to achieve that position, and once I was able to get it, man, it just it just set us up. Man, my, my wife and I were able to work at the same place. Uh, we were able to uh, really make some progress in some of our life goals, and man, it was just, just, just a sweet, sweet time. It was a lot of hard work, but it was so rewarding. And one day after coming back from some army training, I walk in the door of the office and sure enough, there's all of my stuff in a box by the door with my name on it. And when I tried to find out more information, I was just notified that, that my contract was not renewed. And you know, thanks for my time, have a nice day. And on the way out, they said, oh, by the way, you can, you can tell your wife her, her contract was not renewed either. So you know, thank you guys for, for your time, have a great day. And just like that, it was over. And I remember just sitting in my car in the parking lot, just absolutely flabbergasted, just taken aback of how this happened, that I, I didn't see it coming didn't expect it to happen that way and we were in for a season of trial where things were going to come our way that were just going to rock our world turn everything upside down that in a very short amount of time we would face things that really made me cry out to God and say God where are you in all of this as we're facing these trials and these struggles God where are you and it can be very difficult in those times. We've, we've probably all experienced them in some shape, form, or fashion. And when they happen, they make us cry out to God and wonder, God, where are you in all of this? Why are you letting these things happen to us? Why aren't you protecting us and saving us from these trials? And the good news is you and I, we aren't the first people to wonder and ask these questions, that the Bible is full of many examples of life stories of people that went through trials and struggles and that God showed his, his faithfulness and his consistency and his power through them. But I want to take you to one that I feel like really, really just shows God's character and how God will use our trials in the life of Daniel. And today we're going to talk about how you and I can live life in the lion's den. How can we live life in the lion's den? And if you've got your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. To Daniel chapter 6. And while you're turning there, let me give you the context because like we so often talk about, we want to read the Bible in context. We never want to twist the Bible to fit our beliefs. We always want to twist our beliefs to fit the Bible. So in the book of Daniel, it records the events in the life of Daniel and some of his compatriots as they are taken away from the land of Israel and taken off into captivity. And as a young man, Daniel and his friends are taken away from Israel and into the land of Babylon. That what the Babylonians did, which was very smart, that unlike other kingdoms and empires as they rose and took over and conquered other nations, other empires would slaughter the people. They would destroy their cities. They would leave them all decimated. 
and eventually their people would take it over. But what Babylon did that was so unique and different was that Babylon said, we don't want to destroy these places. We, we want to use them. These, they've got these resources. They're already built up. They're already settled. Why would we destroy them? But they did want to keep the people from rebelling and fighting back. So they kind of played fruit basket turnover with the people. They would deport them to different nations and scatter them throughout the empire so that they could not come together as a single people and have an uprising and rebel against the Babylonians. And so Daniel and his compatriots ended up being taken into Babylon because they were the best and the brightest. And they were unlike the others who were just scattered throughout the empire. Daniel and his friends were taken to the capital of Babylon. They were trained in the Babylonian ways and the Babylonian languages, and they were given the best education so that they could work in the government. And this was very unique compared to other nations up until this point. And Daniel and his friends go through many different trials along the way. But as a result, God promotes them. God puts them in the top positions, and they're able to prosper during this time. But after Babylon falls to Persia, Daniel's faithfulness ends up actually becoming something that puts a target on his back. That Daniel's faithfulness to God ends up becoming something that causes other people to use it against him. You see, even though Daniel was a wise leader and he was a faithful servant to the empire and he was a faithful servant, most importantly, to God, the other people were jealous of him. The other leaders and magistrates in the empire were jealous of Daniel. They could not find any fault with him, so they concoct this plan, they concoct a scheme to go to the, the Persian king, King Darius, and they have Darius create this law. They trick him and they say that they need to create a law that for 30 days, for a month, that nobody could worship any other god besides King Darius. You see, the Persians believed that their kings were, were God in human form. They were a god from their pantheon of, of different gods that they worshipped. They believed that one of those gods took on a, a human body, and that that's what that king was, and so they worshipped them. And so Darius was, was worshipped by the people along with the other gods. And so Darius thinks this sounds good, and so he puts his royal seal on the law. And one of the things about the Persian laws is that once they are made, they cannot be broken. We see this in the problem with the book of Esther, that when Esther um, is able to uh, come to uh, King Artaxerxes at the time, that, that Haman does a similar thing. He creates a plan to kill the Jews, that this is a similar thing, that just like Artaxerxes ended up having a law that could not be broken once his seal was on it, the same thing happened to King Darius. And so we end up seeing that Daniel has a dilemma, that he can be faithful to God and break this law to continue worshiping God. And as a result, any person that breaks the law would be thrown into the den of lions, where these lions were specifically conditioned and trained to, to eat people as a punishment and as a form of execution. And Daniel has to choose between being faithful to God and saving his own life. And so we end up seeing 
Daniel and his faithfulness. And so in this, this life example from Daniel, I believe we can find a model for us to follow because we talked about this before, but just as a quick reminder, there are two types of writings and passages in the Bible. There are descriptive passages and there are prescriptive passages. Prescriptive passages are the ones that tell us what to do, like a prescription from a doctor. They prescribe an action for us to follow, right? Things like do not steal, right? Do not lie. Don't don't worship other gods, right? Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and strength, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. These are prescriptions. They're things we should do. But a lot of the Bible is a description of events in history and in lives of people. And when we read these descriptions, we have to ask God to help us apply them properly in our modern day setting. So while you and I, thankfully, if we're disobedient to the laws of the land that conflict with you know, the, the laws of God, if and when those things happen, we don't have to worry about being thrown to lions to eat us as an execute a form of execution, right? But what we do have to recognize is that in our current culture, and we've talked about this before as well, that we don't live in a God-centered culture anymore. When America was founded, it was founded on Christian principles. You know, some of the founding documents we have famously say we hold these truths to be self-evident that man was endowed by his creator with certain unalienable rights, right? We believe that the, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that we have in our nation is predicated. It comes from this idea that we were created, and so our Creator gives these things to us. Well, when we took God out of our schools and out of our government and out of our homes, that foundation has been taken away. And so when the person like you and me comes forward and, and lives the Christian life, they are going to be the outcast. They're going to be the odd man out. And sometimes they may even be persecuted. And so what do we do? How do we live life in a culture like this? How do we live life in the lion's den? When the trials of life come, how do we, like Daniel, find a way to remain faithful? Well, I'm going to give you a series of C words, okay? The English teacher in me loves to, to have things that we, we see and in, in, in they're easier to remember for me this way, hopefully for you too. The first thing we see in Daniel's life is his consistency. Daniel's consistency is what puts the target on his back to start with, but it's also what brings about blessing in his life. You see, when we follow God consistently, we experience the blessing of God consistently. Now, a lot of times we have this habit of thinking of blessing as things that prosper us, things like health and wellness, right? Things like financial blessing and breakthrough. And those are blessings, but those are not the only types of blessings that God can give us. God can bless us with fruits of the Spirit, right? Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, right? These things are, are not tangible things that we can hold on to or things we can take to the bank and invest or spend on in the store, right? Spend on things in the store with them, right? I can't exchange my, my kindness and gentleness for food in the grocery store, right? But they are blessings in our lives. And so the consistency that Daniel shows in his walk with God and his faithfulness to God brings blessing in his life. So Daniel is a person that is consistent, and we can learn from that too, that we need to also be consistent. In the book of James, James writes to the church that we shouldn't be double-minded, 
We shouldn't be wishy-washy. He says that those people shouldn't expect any blessing from God. If you're double-minded, what does that mean? It means to, to on one hand, we, we walk with God, and then the next day, we run away from God because we don't trust Him. And then the next day, we wake up and say, yes, God, I am going to follow you. And then when hard times come, we say, oh, God, you must not love me. So we run away from God. That's double-minded. But Daniel was consistent. And that was what led to him being such a mighty man of God in a dark culture and civilization that was running the opposite direction. And so not only does Daniel have consistency, that's what gets him into this situation as well. His consistency gave him blessing, but it also put a target on his back. But after this law was created, man, we can also see not only the consistency of Daniel, but we also see the courage of Daniel. The courage of Daniel. See, if you've got your Bibles, hopefully by now you're in Daniel chapter 6, and this is where we're going to pick up in Daniel's life, starting in verse 10. It says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, remember that consistency, giving thanks to his God. Now, many of us in Daniel's shoes might have been tempted to compromise. That's a different C. We don't want to compromise. We would have been tempted to, though. I certainly would have to say, you know what? It's just 30 days. Maybe I can go 30 days without praying openly to God or worshiping God openly. Maybe I can go in my home and and go to the basement and shut and lock the door where nobody can see me. And then I will praise God. Then I'll worship God. Then I'll pray to God. But Daniel doesn't do that. Daniel displays courage and trust in God when he goes to the upstairs room with the windows open facing Jerusalem for everyone to see it just as he always had done. Daniel showed courage. And it says, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Daniel was courageous, but he also sought God in the process. And look at what happens in verse 12. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way he could save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. See, the king recognized at this point he'd been tricked. He'd been duped. And he tried as hard as he could to think of a way to get out of this mess that they had put him in. Because Daniel was his chief wise man, his chief magi. And Daniel was about to be executed. In verse 15 it says, In the evening the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be challenged. It can be changed, excuse me. And so we see here that not only... Did Daniel stay faithful in his consistency and his courage? We also see that Daniel stays faithful to God in calamity. You see, a lot of us 
find that it's it's easy to praise God in the good times and the mountaintop moments of life, when finances are are working out right, when we're when we can pay our bills and we can go on vacation and we can you know get that promotion. It's easy to praise God then, but what about the times when we experience the trials of life, when we get that that diagnosis from the doctor? We have that sickness, or, or we have that notification from our boss that we are, you know, going to have to take a pay cut or lose our job, or that unexpected bill comes up and the car breaks down, or it needs new tires, or our, our our child gets injured and we have a hospital bill. How do we praise God in the trials, and the temptations, and the calamities of life? And so we see Daniel when he goes through this. We're going to see his character. That Daniel had to know what was going to happen, but he didn't run, he didn't flee, he didn't hide, he didn't falter, he didn't compromise. He stayed true, even in the trials. And as Daniel went through this calamity, his character was so strong. Look at what happened. It says so in verse 16. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, "May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you." A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seal of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. The king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment, and he couldn't sleep at all that night. And then, of course, you and I know the story. But here's what's important to remember: Daniel did not know how his story was going to end when he went through it. It's easy when we read the pages of scriptures and look at the life stories of the people on the pages of the Bible. It's easy for us to look at that and say, "Oh, well, of course it worked out okay for them. Of course, it's easy for them to praise God because they got their healing, they got their restoration, they got their blessing." But Daniel did not know that. When Daniel experienced his trial, when this calamity came to him, Daniel had to believe he was going to his death. Now he trusted in God certainly, or else he would have run. He would have fled. He faced the calamity with this consi- same consistency and the same courage he had before. But Daniel had to know that this was a death sentence. He didn't know how this was going to work out, and so it's easy to, to to throw the story out and say, "Oh, well, you know, you're using Daniel because Daniel, of course, he he gets blessed in the end." But Daniel didn't know that, and the same thing is true of you or I when we go through our calamities, when we go through our trials. We don't know how God's going to work through it, but we just have to trust and have that faith in God that if He leads us to it, God's going to lead us through it. So look at what happens next. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, "Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions?" Daniel answered, "Long live the king!" Now I heard a pastor preach on this one time, and he noted something that was so powerful that you'll miss it if you're not paying attention. That the king, in his palace and his comfort, experienced a terrible night of sleep. He didn't sleep at all. Anguished, but Daniel, in this den, in this cave that had been dug out into the ground, 
he experienced such a peaceful sleep that he could speak to the king eloquently. The pastor noted wisely that when we don't have a good night's sleep and we get asked questions, we respond with things like, huh? what? But Daniel was eloquent. He spoke well. He was rested. And he says, long live the king. And look at what he says. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Are those the words of a guy that got a bad night's sleep? You could only imagine him thinking, well, maybe it was cold. You know, maybe it was chilly, but, but God sent these lions and we snuggled up together, right? We don't know. That's just me imagining. But I can only imagine this contrast between the king and his palace and all of his comfort passing a terrible night of anguish and Daniel in the den of lions sleeping on the ground, surrounded by death, slept peacefully. You know, David wrote in the Psalms, right, that, that God gives his faithful people rest when they sleep at night. And that's true that Daniel's faithfulness shows that God is faithful. As he went to sleep, God was faithful to give him rest. That as Daniel was faithful to support God, God took care of him. And as he woke with this eloquent speech to be able to say, I have not wronged you, your majesty. And look at verse 23. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Now look at this. This is a highlight portion of the scripture. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. You see, Daniel had been consistent. He had been courageous. And when he faced calamity, he did so with faithfulness, trusting in his God. You know, when you look through the New Testament, and we've talked about this before too, that whenever you see the word belief or faith, it's a version of the Greek word pisteo, which means total trust. Daniel had faith in God. And this shows us ultimately that through his consistency, his courage, and how he faced calamities, this shows us Daniel's character. Daniel's character. Daniel was known for his faith and his trust in God. And look at verse 28. I love this. It says, So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. See, Daniel at this point in his life was an older man. He had lived through being taken from his homeland under the reign of the Babylonians and now under the reign of the Persians. And Daniel's character was so well known that he was promoted and put in positions where people had to trust him, positions of authority and responsibility. And so what do we see in the conclusion of Daniel's life? Here's our big truth for the day. This is our part, you know, our, our C's, right? That Daniel had consistency. He showed courage. And when he faced calamities, he trusted in God. It showed us his character, that he was faithful to God and willing to even go to his death in order to take care of of others and to be faithful to God. So what happens in the conclusion? Well, here's what we see. That faith in the trial leads to joy in the triumph. Faith in the trial leads to joy in the triumph. That as Daniel came out of the lion's den, he could have joy knowing that God had shown his character to him. That God had shown himself faithful. That faith in the trial leads to joy in the triumph. Now, what do we do with this? How do we take the life of Daniel and apply it to ourselves? Well, we see a wonderful passage in the New Testament that ties all of this together. 
in the book of James, James, the, the, the half-brother of Jesus, writes in James chapter 1, in verse 2, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> That's crazy, right? When we go through trials, we, we usually complain. We usually doubt. We usually go to God with all of our grumblings. But instead, we see this. We see James telling followers of Jesus in the first century who were facing persecution, who were facing death, who were facing being beaten and arrested and impoverished. He says, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How cool would that be for you and I to say of ourselves that because our faith is perfect and complete, it's fully developed, we don't need anything. God has supplied everything we need already. How amazing is that? So as we get ready to, to close, I wanna, I wanna tell you two stories, two life examples. First, I want to help you see what happened in Daniel. You see, in the conclusion of Daniel's story, he dies. <laughs> Just like we all do. If Jesus waits longer to come back, we're all going to die. But Daniel's story doesn't end in his death. You see, centuries later, Jesus would be born. And wise men from the east would come to worship him. And these wise men, these magi, would come from the east. And if you look at a map, east of the region of Judea and the Roman Empire is Persia. That Persia was east of that border. How did these magi, how did these wise men know to leave Persia, to follow the star, and to find the Messiah and worship Jesus? They knew because Daniel was a magi. Daniel was a wise man under the Persian Empire. And his teachings, his faithfulness to the one true God made it through history, through the generations. And his teachings were passed on so that when the Messiah came, they would know how and where to find him. How cool is that? That when we followed the example of Daniel by being consistent, by being courageous, by facing calamity with faithfulness, showing our character, that at the conclusion of our lives, we can pass on a testimony to others to show our faithfulness, to lead future generations to, to Jesus, just as Daniel did. Now, looking back at my story and losing that job, going through those trials, God was just as faithful in our lives as he was in Daniel's life. That God was setting us up for future success, to bring us to our current positions that is so much better than what we had at the time. As good as we thought we had it, God has a better setup for us now. And I want to promise you that your blessing is going to put you in a better situation than you could ever comprehend. I'm not promising you financial overflow. I'm not promising that life won't be hard. I'm not promising you health, wealth, and prosperity. What I am promising you is that if you trust God, that faith in the trial will lead to joy in the triumph. When God leads you through the trials of life like he did Daniel, and you come out of the lion's den of your life, 
you will be able to look back and say, God, you were faithful. God, you set me on solid ground. God, you shut the mouth of the lions in my life that came after me. And you and I can look back with joy in the triumph of God that led us through our trials, those trials that perfected our faith and fully developed it so that we didn't need anything but God. So I don't know where you are today. As you look at this example from the life of Daniel, as you read the passages of Scripture that tell us to rejoice when trials and persecutions come our way, that they develop our faith, that today I pray that like Daniel, that you and I would put our faith in God and that we could say that not a scratch was found on us in our lives because we had trusted in God that God would shut the mouths of the lions that come after us in our trials and that God would make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. And that when we look back on our lives, not that life is perfect, not that we didn't experience struggles, that we didn't go through the storms of life, but that God was faithful in the process. And at the end, we can look back and understand that faith in the trial leads to joy in the triumph. And my prayer for you and I this week is that we would learn to trust God deeper and more completely, knowing that He leads us like a good shepherd and takes care of us like a good father. And that faith in the trial leads to joy in the triumph. Be blessed this week.